0: This is the In Focus podcast from The Hindu.
1: Welcome to The Hindu's In Focus podcast. My name is Sriram Srinivasan, and this is part two of my conversation with Pranesh Prakash, co founder of the Center for Internet and Society and Affiliated Fellow at Yale Law School's Information Society Project. In part one, we discussed the new rules that the government has introduced to regulate the digital space, with a particular focus on social media platforms and intermediaries. Welcome back, Pranesh. Can you now talk about the rules for digital news publishers and streaming services? A three-tier compliance mechanism has been mandated for them. How do you see this?
0: So, first off... Uh, I'd like to note that it's not clear to me that this is uh, actually in line with the law. So how laws in India work when it comes to uh, what is called delegated legislation is that Parliament of India at the central level makes laws. Those laws need to abide by constitutional requirements. And then, in those laws, they may sometimes provide for the government of the day to make regulations, to make rules. Now, those rules have, in turn, to be both in compliance with the constitution as well as in compliance with the law, the statute, the act under which they, you know, the the uh, executive government gets those powers. So, the government of the day can't make rules which go beyond what the parent act, the parent statute allows them. It seems to me that is exactly what has been done through this uh, section dealing with digital media. Okay, so publishers of news and current affairs content and publishers of online curated content. So uh, code of ethics is proposed and a procedure is, is proposed for uh, implementation of those, that Code of Ethics. But the government, it doesn't seem to me, has the power to make these regulations because the Parent Act, the Information Technology Act, under which these rules are made, actually do not provide for this at all. And so I would firstly question the, the what is called the wires, uh, of the of the government to make these rules and target digital media, but that apart, uh, getting into into the actual substance of it, I would say that there are huge problems for other reasons as well. These are in essence uh, put down as uh, self. Or they were at least advertised as self-regulatory mechanisms by these, uh, you know, digital media platforms. But uh, if you if you look at it, it's it's not quite self-regulatory because uh, the code of ethics that need to be followed are actually laid down by uh, the uh, the government by in, in these regulations in an appendix and uh, so there's that problem and apart from that uh, there's the issue that these wish to target uh, online video platforms when they talk about uh, when they talk about uh, what is the term that they use again um, I keep forgetting I'm sorry I'm just looking that up when they talk about publishers of online curated content, right? They wish to actually target uh, video content, but the the term itself, publishers of online curated content, actually doesn't specify that, and the rules themselves don't actually specify that anywhere. Uh, it's only the explanations provided by the government which which lay that out. Uh, so it's it seems that. That, and the requirements are the kinds of things that, you know, one would expect of video content. So, uh, saying that you need to classify things according to the, uh, age appropriateness of, of that content, uh, so into categories such as U for universal, uh, U slash A for those which may be viewed by par- with parental guidelines, uh, u slash a 16 plus for those which are appropriate only for people above the age of 16 with parental, or sorry, um, uh, under the age of, of, uh, uh, 16 with parental guidance or freely above the age of 16 and a for those which are restricted to adults and so on. So these, these kinds of classifications are, are more common and are required under, under Indian law, but though with a different set of classifications, uh, when it comes to video contents and, and cinematographic films, but this is now made applicable A, without regard to how many you know what kind of a platform you are. So this isn't limited to, say, large platforms such as uh, Netflix. This is made applicable to all kinds of uh, small hosts as well. So that's a problem. Further, it is made applicable even to things which aren't video platforms. So uh, if you just read the phrase publishers of online curated content, well uh, does uh, uh, you know, that might uh, cover an online library because it is online there is curated content on it. Uh, So a library uh, such as marxist.org which uh, hosts Um, all kinds of left-wing literature, that possibly is is covered. Is that what is intended by this? Obviously not. Um, I wouldn't expect the speeches of Lenin to be (laughs) classified (laughs) as to whether people below the age of 13 can read it or not, and whether it should be done with parental guidance but that is what is is uh required, so that's the problem with, with the kind of drafting that we see. There are thousands of unintended consequences and unintended readings of these kinds of of uh, rules and uh, and and so that's a problem and it will be misused by by people, and courts are required to go not by what. Uh, the government was thinking about but didn't say but what the government actually laid down in the law
1: and this has a government committee at the top
0: absolutely so it proposes a threefold fold uh, structure for complaints uh, which are you know one self-regulation by the publisher uh, where the publisher seeks to uh, seeks to address it internally and then it goes to a self regulatory body of publishers and then it goes to the government now this is the, the structure for um um uh, for the uh, for uh, sorry for the publishers um for news publishers now it's not uh it's not very clear to me why this kind of a system is allowed under the Information Technology Act. So, what enables the government to say that an interministerial body, which includes, say, for instance, people from uh, the Ministry of Defense, uh, which includes uh, people from the uh, External Affairs Ministry, and so on, uh, why that body... And not a judicial body of some kind is, uh, you know, has the authority or has the power under the Information Technology Act to to uh, be the final arbiter on whether something, whether these organizations have complied with the code of ethics or not. Now, it may be noted that there is the Press Council Act of 1978, and there is the Cable Television Networks Regulation Act of 1995, and there are uh, codes under both of these. Uh, There's a a set of norms prescribed under the Press Council Act and under the Cable Television Networks uh, Regulation Act. So those might not apply, but then you know why is, is a separate procedure being set up under this rather than in, in a separate law which you know will be separately discussed we'll have to go through a set of consultations and actually that's uh, that brings me to a point which uh, I forgot to mention earlier, which is much of of this is has been passed without any consultation whatsoever. so the entire component on uh, which covers uh, online news and which covers online curated content is completely new. Uh, it wasn't there in the 2018 draft that was made available, um, and and you know for which uh, various entities provided comments. This was not part of that at all. So this is completely new. People haven't seen this, and now it's the law of the land because they've uh, been notified and so it, it this has been passed without any consultation without any public consultation and that's uh, that is is a problem that's not how laws should be passed in a democratic country
1: aren't there emergency takedown requirements under the new rules
0: uh, absolutely there there are but then you could say that there are uh, emergency takedown uh, requirements under section 69a of the information technology act itself and that this isn't actually something new that has been uh, brought in through these uh, new set of regulations so uh that's not that's not a fresh set of concern for me but the idea that uh, that The government could could pass these under the IT, Information Technology Act, to which there is no relevance, which doesn't provide the government to pass these kinds of rules, and uh, do so without any consultation whatsoever. That, I think, is a a big problem, and I can't see possibly how this can be held to be legal if this is challenged in, in a court. How do
1: you see the rules here compared to, say, Section 69A of the IT Act, whose implementation critics say is shrouded in secrecy? Will these rules operationally replace 69A?
0: So, that's one of the few things that these rules are very clear about. They say that they will not replace uh, 69A rules and that those uh, rules will will continue to operate. And so, uh, that's, uh, the, the 69A rules uh, are also, in, in my opinion, uh, and when I was with the Center for Internet and Society, we sent in comments uh, on this when they were in draft stage as well, of questionable constitutionality. Uh, they, uh, for instance, propose a, a, a situation of secrecy under Rule 16 of, of those rules. Where what the government has asked intermediaries to block is not actually made public. So we have a divergence here. You can't block, you can't, for instance, ban a book without making it public that you banned a book, but you can ban websites without that being made public and there is a pr- procedure both under uh 69A as well as under these rules for the public to directly complain and now that's something that the uh, the supreme court actually held to be un uh, unconstitutional or uh, unlawful ultra vires actually the the parent act because the parent act requires uh that there be uh, actual knowledge on part of these intermediaries about the illegality of certain content, and uh, when they are brought when illegality is brought to their actual knowledge, they are required under the law to actually remove it, which makes sense but then, under the two thousand eleven situation, as I gave with the example of my my uh, colleague sending those ridiculous takedown requests, even private persons were in a position to send requests for removal of content. And howsoever ridiculous those requests were, were, we found that most entities actually removed the content that we described and in some cases even went above board in removing that content. Can you elaborate on that experiment? Absolutely. So, Uh, So a researcher called Rishabh Dara, who worked with CIS at that time, uh, actually devised a very interesting uh, uh, experiment to to look into this Uh, when these uh, rules were passed in 2011. He made a set of complaints, uh, sent a set of complaints, all of which were defective in some way or the other, Okay, uh, some which didn't comply with procedural requirements, but most of which did not comply with substantive requirements of the law. Uh, so, to give you a simple example, uh, the law requires that uh, things that were harmful to minors uh, should not be allowed by intermediaries. And that provision is actually carried over to these new rules as well, where it says harmful to child. Uh, should not be allowed by intermediaries. He complained that baby diapers which cause rashes uh, should are are harmful to minors and hence uh, advertisements for that um, should not be allowed and sale of baby diapers on, on a website should not be allowed. And these kinds of ridiculous examples. And what he found was that in six out of seven cases... Intermediaries actually removed what he complained about, and then and even went overboard. Now he he documented all of this uh, in in a paper, and we shared that uh, with the government after the rules had been passed, and pointed out that this is uh, open to abuse, and that was also presented to the Supreme Court uh, when they were hearing the Shreya single case, which focused mostly on sixty six A. But at that time, the Supreme Court also noted that given this possibility of abuse uh, and given that the the Parent Act spoke about actual knowledge, that intermediaries were only required to remove content if there was a government order or if there was a judicial order. Now, the problem with that is it's not really clear whether the governmental order has to be uh, in line with Section 69A, which allows for... Uh, content uh, blocking and and so on and takedowns actually also the way it is burned or whether some other set of rules were to be followed under Section 79 so what content could the government actually complain about under Section 79 was not made very clear either by the Supreme Court nor by the rules and we have a situation where even under the 2021 rules that isn't actually clear uh, so uh, we still have a problem where it is quite possible to read these rules to mean that uh, that any individual, any private person can complain and the intermediary is required to remove uh, uh, on the basis of those complaints as well as on the basis of actual uh being brought to actual knowledge by uh, a judicial order or by the governmental order uh, on what basis is unclear so it's it's essentially in legally it it is super confusing uh you can read through this you can, you see that one part of these rules seem to contradict another part and uh, and in essence uh, it seems to me that it's possible to read it in such a way that what the Supreme Court explicitly struck down in in 2015 or 14 in the Shreya single case is now being brought in again, even though the government might not intend it that way. But that seems to be what the what the actual language of the, of the rules say.
1: And with that, we come to the end of today's conversation.